So from our portion of Scripture reading here today, memorials are for a sign and for remembrance. They serve to remind us of something that happened in the past that has importance for the way we think and live today and for the rest of our lives. Tomorrow we celebrate and remember the lives of men and women who gave their lives in wars that protected the freedom that we have in America. Those men and women had an impact and what has enabled America to become a leading nation in the world. They served with honor and determined spirit to protect the homeland, families, and the future of freedom as we've come to know it. We thank God for those who made the sacrifice of their lives for that purpose. If it weren't for the, the lives of those men and women, we wouldn't be here today in this church freely serving God. The Statue of Liberty is a memorial. We have to remember us, the freedom we stand for, a freedom that functions within the confines of an ordered system governed by laws that protect all citizens. Freedom is not an absolute. It is limited by laws. From our portion of Scripture before us today, we notice that memorials are for a sign and are a reminder to future generations of something important that happened in the past and affects our ongoing living. As Americans, we have other memorials and monuments we look to. We have the World War I memorial to honor those who served and lost their lives in World War I. We have the World War II memorial. Let's see, we have the Korean memorial. And we have the Vietnam Memorial Wall. And uh, I thank God I've been there and uh, found the, the name of one of my best friends from high school who gave his life. These serve as reminders of how important freedom is and that it's not free, but it's costly. They also serve to remind us of the value of lives and what honor stands for. So we also have the, what, the George Washington Memorial? Washington Monument, there we go. We have the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. And we have the Lincoln Memorial. These remind us of courageous and dedicated leadership that formed and proceeded the foundation for freedom that we share here in America today. We have other memorials mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned 34 times. Exodus 3, the Lord's name, Yahweh. It's pronounced Yahweh today, but in actuality it's called the Hebrew Tetragrammatron. yod heh vav Yifah, the name from which Jehovah has extricated and the word Jehovah never appears in the Hebrew Scriptures. Did you know that? It didn't appear in literature until the late 1800s. But the Lord's name Yahweh, Yiphah, is a memorial for all generations. It's the name given to Jesus, the Son of God, and co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yiphah, Yahweh, the Lord, most of the times in our Bible relates to Jesus himself. It served as God's name to be remembered, honored, and revered. The 
The Passover day, Exodus 12, was to be a memorial feast celebration. Served to remember God's provision of deliverance. Exodus 13, 9 and 10. It shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep the statues at his appointed time from year to year. We have Exodus 28. The ephod on the priest with the names of the twelve tribes to be upon his shoulders and upon his heart. It's a reminder of the importance of the people of God and that Messiah would become our great high priest and he would remind us how important we are to God. We have memorial portions of the offerings to remember that God has provided salvation and forgiveness through a blood sacrifice. Because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we have the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. I've been there. Been all the way up into the crown. When I was there, you couldn't go up into the torch. But I've been up there with my wife, my uh, sister-in-law and her husband and nephew. The nephew was three years old. And he was so tired, and the brother-in-law was so tired for carrying him to the top, I had to carry him down. Listen to the words of this song about the Statue of Liberty. In New York Harbor stands a lady with a torch raised to the sky. And all who see her know she stands for liberty, for you and for me. I'm so proud to be called an American, to be named with the brave and the free. I will honor our flag and our trust in God and the Statue of Liberty. The song goes on. On lonely Golgotha stood a cross with our Lord raised to the sky. And all who believe there live forever as all the redeemed can testify. I'm so glad to be called a Christian, to be named with the ransom and whole. As the statue liberates the citizen, so the cross liberates the soul. Oh, the cross is my statue of liberty. It was there that my soul was set free. Unashamed, I'll proclaim that a rugged cross is my statue of liberty. This is the words of another song by the Gathers. It's called Let Freedom Ring. Deep within the heart has always known that there is a freedom somehow breathed into the very soul of life. The prisoner, the powers, the slave have always known it. There is something that keeps reaching for the sky. Even life begins because a baby fights for freedom from the womb. And songs we love to sing have freedom's theme. Some have walked through fire and flood to find a place of freedom. And some faced hell itself for freedom's dream. God built freedom into every fiber of creation. And he meant for us to all be free and whole. When our Lord bought freedom with his blood of redemption, his cross stamped pardon on my very soul. I'll sing it out with every breath. I'll let the whole world hear it. This hallelujah anthem of the free, the iron bars and heavy chains can never hold us captive forever. The Son has made us free. Yes, free indeed. Let freedom ring wherever minds know what it is to be in chains. Let freedom ring wherever hearts know pain. Let freedom echo through the lonely streets where prisons have no key. 
We can be free and we can sing. Let God's freedom ring. Joshua set up these stones as a memorial for a sign for future generations to remind them that God made the way when it was impossible. God gave power into human weakness. And God gave hope when life was hopeless. And God gave us salvation that we didn't deserve. We as Christians, we have the greatest of memorials, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That reminds us of something that's very important and affects the way we live and believe and conduct our lives. It's a sign that God loved the world so very much that he gave his one and only son to become a sin offering so that everyone who believes on him should not perish in everlasting death but would have everlasting life. I've been thinking about this a lot lately with the funerals and burials I've been doing. Now, when you start to think about when Jesus went to that cross over 2,000 years ago, he looked out and saw you and me, every one of us, before we were ever come into existence. And he gave his life to die for us, to save us from sin, to show us how valuable we really are to God. You're that valuable. Don't ever think of yourself as unimportant or lowly or worthless. You're not. You're worth the very life of the Son of God died and poured out His blood for you so that you can live forever. You can have hope when life seems hopeless. God can do things that seem impossible. When Jesus died upon that cross, He was hung between life and death. He was hung between time and eternity. He was hung between light and darkness. He was hung between sin and holiness. He was hung between heaven and hell. He was hung there for you and for me. Why a cross? Why a cross? At the crossroads of life, God intersects with human beings because he loved them, he created them, sustains them, and desires their fellowship, desires their responsive love. Why a cross? Engineers understand the perspective, the point of origin, the axis. Mathematics, what's the axis? Where's the point where everything generates from? Jesus is at the center. He's at the cross, at the center of everything in life because he created life. And he gave eternal life. We thank God for men and women over the years who have given their lives so that you and I can live in our guarded freedom. But most of all, we thank God for our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus himself, who gave his life that we can be eternally free. Are you sure of this freedom of forgiveness of sin? Are you sure of that? Do you know the freedom that God gives allowing you to live and walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake? It took the cross to get that freedom. Do you freedom do you know the freedom 
to be personally acquainted with the living God of eternity and to walk with him every day. There is nothing better in life than to sense the presence of God in your life every day. That's why he's called Emmanuel, our God with us. He's not a God that's out there distant and far away and can't be reached and can't be touched. He's a God that's right here. So many times it says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Because the Lord is near, God says, respond. Listen. Come to me. Give your life to me. That's why we're challenged to continually surrender our lives to God every day. We continue to stay in the process of resisting the devil. We continue in the process of drawing close to God. You know why? Because if God says if you draw closer to God, he will draw closer to you. So you see, there's things you can do. God's making the provision. He's making the opportunities. He's sovereign in that, working and choreographing everything in the scenes to bring our lives to a place where we can walk with him every day, keep ourselves in the process. I, look, I reminded myself this morning, I looked it up and read it again. The Fellowship of the Unashamed. I challenge you to go home and look it up on the Internet. The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And prayerfully read through that. And you better have some tissues. Trust me. It will overwhelm you. That's where God wants us to be. If you don't know this freedom of forgiveness of sin, why not receive it today? Because the Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to what Isaiah said. The high and lofty one, the eternal one whose name is holy, he says, I dwell in a high and lofty place. But, don't you love it when God butts in? So many times in the scriptures we see, but God. God says, I dwell in a high and lofty place, but I also dwell with the person who was repentant toward me and humble in my presence. What does it mean to be repentant? It means to recognize your sin against the holy God and feel a bit of sorrow about it and change your mind about it that you recognize your sin as it really is sin. Turn away from it. Turn toward God. Are you repentant toward God? Are you staying in that process? Are you humble in God's presence? We were talking Thursday in the Bible study about Belshazzar, king of Babylon, drinking and having a great fine festival, drinking wine and having a wild party. And all of a sudden, over against the wall, a big hand comes out and starts writing on the wall. And what does it say? He was so scared that his knees knocked and he was shaking. God sent a message to him. And the, the message was, You have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. Therefore your kingdom is given, taken away, 
and given to the Medes and the Persians. That very night, he died because he failed to honor God as he was. Change your mind about God and how you can know God by faith. That's the thing that's so marvelous about the Christian faith. You can know the God personally. It's not a stone image. It's not a gold image. It's not a piece of olive wood tree or a totem pole or a rock. But it's a living God with personality who understands how you think and how you feel. And he knows where you are. And he's leading you to walk in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He's drawing yourself to that. Humble yourself to come before him. Believe him and confess him as your Lord. Confession isn't always about sin. That's something negative. Confession is something that's very positive. I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. The day he called me, July 24th, 1965, at about 11.15 in the morning, I came to know Jesus personally. And uh, my life's never been the same since. It's been a wonderful, beautiful journey. How about you? Make sure today you know Jesus personally. Know God personally. And follow him. So to follow, you must be repentant toward him and humble in his presence.